This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, veteran strength conditioning coach and sports dietitian Pratik Patel is joining me to discuss how you should be eating prior to your workouts to optimize training adaptations. Pratik has spent over a decade in collegiate and professional sports as a strength conditioning coach and sports dietitian. He's worked at Kansas State, Michigan State, the University of Oregon, and then he spent four years as a director of sports nutrition and assistant strength coach for the New York Giants. Pratik is now the director of Outer Energy with Own It Coaching. But before we get to this discussion, please take two seconds and smash the subscribe button on whichever listening platform you are listening on, as this is one of the best ways that you can help support the podcast. But now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Pratik, I think one of the biggest bro science questions I could ever ask is let's talk about pre workout nutrition. I'm not talking about uh, the old school ephedrine, caffeine, aspirin stacks. I'm talking, what should we be consuming prior to exercise so we can take advantage of what's about to happen so we can get the best positive adaptation out of our training session? It's a great question. I think one of the biggest things we have to identify too is what time is training happening because we have a lot of people that are training first thing in the morning. And for them, it's just much easier to get into that training session fasted as opposed to if you were training in the afternoon, you're more than likely going to have a meal or two or plenty of food or calories in your system by then. But I'll start with that first scenario. So if you train early in the morning, there's really two schools of thoughts. Either I, I do it fasted or I consume something. So if you end up doing it fasted, there is definitely a benefit of at least getting in some fluid and electrolytes prior, especially when we're talking about sodium, a little bit of potassium, just because that fluid balance is important to be to restore it because after a night of sleep, we've utilized a good amount of water and the reactions in the body. We've lost some through respiration. It's important to get that in. So it's still considered a fasted workout, even if you get in water with some electrolytes. And there's really nothing wrong with doing a training session fasted, given that, you know, the, the night before you've definitely eaten enough the prior day, you're not necessarily going to burn through all your muscle glycogen. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about that. You're not going to lose out on, on muscle tissue or adaptations. You only do that if you finish that workout and you don't eat and your first meal ends up later on in the day. It's like we've lost the opportunity to resynthesize muscle glycogen and build back up muscle tissue. But there, if the intensity of the workout you're doing is pretty high and you, or it's longer in duration and, or you're trying to build muscle, there definitely is benefit. A lot of research showing that if we do consume something, it doesn't have to be a full meal. It doesn't have to be a ton of food. So fluids with the electrolytes, maybe a small amount of carbohydrate, good amount of protein, and then any other pre-training ergogenic aids that have been studied. Um, you know, caffeine's a really good one. Um, variety of nitric oxide influencers. Okay, caffeine. <laughs> um I, I've done a lot of research on this. Talked to some neuroscientists. My friend, Dr. Allison Brager, she did a lot of that research that you've seen in the Army's H2F manual for mental awareness for special op or army uh, or for soldiers that are doing like, like going, going long periods of time without sleep. They recommend no more than 200 milligrams at a time. Um, for somebody that's working out, 
that doesn't want to have a heart attack. And you know what I'm saying? What's the literature say? Yeah. For training benefits and purposes, they give a range. I think the range is kind of high, but it's three to six milligrams per kilogram body weight. So if you weigh hundred kilograms, you're 220 pounds. It could be 300 to 600 milligrams. No, no, 600 milligrams is a lot. I, mean, I would pass out. <laughs> that is a ton. And you also take into consideration, if we look at everybody's individual genetic code, if you've ever done like a nutrigenomics and you know what your SNPs are, you have 10 to 15% of the population, which are slow caffeine metabolizers, which means it's actually more adverse in terms of cardiovascular output and anxiety if they do consume caffeine or a high amount of caffeine. So you kind of, I think people know if you are one of those people that has that genetic SNP. I'm not, uh, I've been consuming caffeine for a while. I also did that testing and I don't have that, that genetic SNP for it, which is great, thank God. <laughs> but what more of the research now shows is you don't necessarily have to go to those upper limits. You can stay in that sweet spot of about 100 to 200 milligrams prior to training, anywhere from 45 minutes to 60 minutes before to allow it to get into the bloodstream. And as you mentioned before, caffeine doesn't give you energy. It's a central nervous system stimulant. So it binds to adenosine receptors on the brain. It doesn't allow adenosine to bind, but adenosine actually builds up over time and increases that sleep pressure. So instead of that sleep pressure getting to the brain, caffeine just kind of gives it a Heisman stiff arm and says, no, I want to still stay cognitively aware. And the studies show that it's very strongly correlated to improvements in performance for not only endurance, activities but also strength power repeat sprints so it's it's kind of one of those things for everybody if you don't have that genetic snip um so what how, how should somebody take it if somebody wants to use caffeine so the studies show that the best forms usually come in supplement form so caffeine anhydrous whether it's pill whether it's powder maybe even gum but there's absolutely nothing wrong to get it in your coffee which is one of the most consume beverages in the entire world yeah so again it's kind of like uh, you know you pick your poison so okay let's say we're working out in the afternoon so a.m as long as you're hydrated um you ate you you had you ate plenty of food the day before it's okay to enter the workout um without food on your stomach correct did i hear correct. you right okay yeah, if i'm working out in the afternoon or eat or later in the evening what would you say i know you use some stuff before and i'm not just talking about caffeine but you have a little stack you want to talk about that yeah and you know i used to be one of those afternoon workout people that that was a non-negotiable but you know how it is working in sport time constraints like i, yeah. I had to if i didn't get it done in the morning like it wasn't going to happen at all and i'm going to get my workout in so transitioning to that i tried doing it fasted. And then I tried consuming food. And for me personally, I just feel a lot better when I consume something prior to, and I know I don't have enough time to whip up a nice breakfast and I'm not going to be able to stomach a good because I'm not going to wake up two hours before my workout. Cause then that means I'm waking up the same time I was when in I the was middle of the night to work NFL. out. I'm like, that's yeah. not what I wanted to do anymore. Yeah, yeah. So generally about an hour, hour 15 before I get to the gym and start working out. It's, you know, a good amount of fluid, like in a shaker bottle, I'll have, you know, some collagen, some whey protein, um, amino acid, pre-workout powder with caffeine in it, a little bit of nitrate powder. And, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. So why collagen and why whey protein? Okay. I also have a, like a couple pieces of fruit cause those go down easy. That's my carb source. 
Okay. So whey protein, because it's really quickly digested and I don't have any issues with it. So, you know, I've done nutrigenomics, all that a little bit of an issue with dairy, which I know that if I do eat some sources of dairy, I don't do well, but something like whey, because it is so, um, it is processed, but it doesn't have a lot of lactose in it and a lot of those dairy byproducts in it. It doesn't necessarily affect people negatively. Um, weighs one of the most, uh, incredibly well-studied ergogenic aids, if you want to call it, even though I think it's more of a food option, it's, I don't consider it really a supplement and good companies have high quality products where, Hey, this it's just protein. It mixes really easily. It tastes decent. And if you have, if you struggle getting enough protein throughout the day, it's, it's a great option. The collagen I put in just because more and more research is coming out and the more we actually understand about our bodies and what we are disposed genetically to we're predisposed to we know that all of our structural tissues are made up of some form of collagen you know you have multiple different types of collagen you have soft you have hard they play a role with bone health fascia health tendons ligaments you know articular junctions cartilage and it's a, it's a very important part of it because they collagen is high in non-essential amino acids like glycine proline hydroxyproline that is really hard to get in the diet like you can eat meat and animal sources, but unless you're eating, you know, the nose to tail full on out, which most people aren't. And I get it. Like, I don't do that because it just weirds me out. <laughs> so to be able to, yeah. So to be able to get the glycine, the collagen in my diet, like I have to supplement with it because I'm not drinking bone broth all day, which is another source of it. And that's how we get the glycine in it. And if you do consume a high protein diet, high amount of meats, you, uh, you basically have a higher intake of methionine which is a rate limiting amino acid for glycine proline, which are two large structural components in collagen. So it decreases collagen synthesis. So we want to make sure we're consistently providing the body with what it needs to be able to make collagen over time. So people say, well, it's a marketing gimmick. I'm like the way that they tag it is a marketing gimmick, but it has a huge amount of utility in the body. And it's yes. the reason why, you know, if you constantly train really hard and your low energy availability state, like the body's breaking itself down and they've looked at studies where they see there's high amount of glycine in the blood because you still have this connective tissue that continues to get broken down doing all these different types of lifting, sprinting, moving movements. So that's the reason why. So what about the nitrates? Yeah. So nitrates are, uh, you know, things like beet powder, beetroot shots, red spinach, amaranth, aronia berry, uh, you know, real food products that get, you know, process broken down to either it's a powder, it's a shot. So these, then they're high in nitrates. So nitrates convert to nitrite, which is a precursor to nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator, which helps with increasing blood flow to working muscles and tissue, which is what you want when you train. That way, what they've shown with the studies is initially they started looking at like beetroot and beetroot juice in endurance act activities because it lowers the VO2 cost of exercise, which means for the same work rate, you don't have to expend as much energy. So you can go for longer, go harder for longer. But now mm -hmm. they've also looked at it for, you know, people that lift, sprint, you know, power sports, things of that nature and show that, okay, there is somewhat of a benefit there too. So if I want to improve my workout capacity, that's something that you can potentially integrate into your, you know, pre-training stack. I love this. So AM, as long as you're well-fed the night before, hydrated, you had your magnesium the night before, that's a whole other episode. Go find that one. Uh, 
It's okay to wake up, make sure you're hydrated, go train. If you're lifting in the afternoon, you're recommending some collagen, a little bit of whey. Obviously, this all needs to be scaled based off of your body, how how big you are. Uh, If you're 50 kilograms or 100 kilograms, um, if you can if you can handle caffeine, a little bit of caffeine, maybe some nitrates, and then uh, depending on when your last meal was, you may want to add a little fruit. Like I think you do some bananas and dates, something like that. Yeah, just something tasty, quick and easy that yeah. you you're comfortable with, and you know it's not going to affect you so. or your GI system. Yeah, Siri just barked at me and said, "I thought so." That is so funny. Um, <laughs> so what we're doing is we're setting our body up for, uh, healthy tissues for repairing with muscle, uh, with protein synthesis, and then also providing, uh, some glucose so that we can actually train. Does that sound right? Yeah. All right. Sweet. I love this. Now we took something really bro sciency and made it practical. What a freaking episode. If you found today's podcast valuable and you're listening on the Apple podcast app, would you please leave us a rating and review? It's really important that we get as many ratings and reviews as possible because this is how Apple promotes podcasts. And if you enjoy the blueprint, this is absolutely one of the best ways that you could help us out. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.